Howdy, y'all. <laughs> it's Asha Hawksworth again for another episode of Redneck Lesbian. And today, my special guest is Brad Sunday. And he is a practicing pagan and has been since 1987. He's an out, uh, pr uh, proud and out gay man. And we're going to talk a little bit about spirituality and Pride Month and all of the above and, and how that relates to being a member of our community. Welcome, welcome. Yay, thank you. <laughs> oh, and I forgot. Yeah, and he also has his own podcast. He's a co-host of uh, Pitney and Amelia's Bitchin' Boutique. So I'll include that link uh, in, the, in the comments on YouTube. So welcome. Oh, yes, absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your spiritual journey. We're not... Um, you know, and, I, and in my experience, certainly uh, gay folks um, either give up and become atheists or they um, continue to try to conform to the religion they were raised in, usually Christianity, and kind of wear it as like a hair shirt that they self-flagellate themselves with all the time, mm -hmm. you know. The, you know uh, so tell me about your journey. Okay, and oh, I have so much to say about all of that, but I will try to be. There's <laughs> a Because oh my goodness. Um, you know, but no, my personal journey though, is raised Catholic, um, that was not spiritual enough for me growing up because I could always tell that people were just phoning it in in church you know because they just sit there and they're like oh and then all the kids are there reading their comic books not wanting to be there during mass and i mean you know and i i realized that i wanted more when i was oh my gosh 10, let's just say 10 i don't know 10 and i remember i think i told you this story before i think i i remember like taking off all my clothes and laying there on the middle of my bedroom floor, stark naked, being like, okay, God, this is my most natural state. Make me feel you. I want to be one, blah, blah, blah. And of course, nothing happened. <laughs> but to me, that was like the birth of my pagan. Because I'm sorry, that's so pagan. <laughs> Without even knowing it. Um, but then in high school, I had a discussion with my mom, you know, I want to change religions. I'm not getting anything out of this, blah, blah, blah. So I went to Bethel Assembly of God. <laughs> Do tell. <laughs> and oh my goodness, I lasted about six months. I was like, get me the living fuck out of here. Because I, it, because, oh, it was more spiritual right down to speaking in tongues, mm -hmm. which scared the living crap out of me. Um, and I'm still not convinced that that was even real, but I, I, I don't, I, that's another discussion. I have no idea. But, oh, no, this church was like, I got involved with the youth group and I had these weekly meetings with uh, the youth minister to try to 
you know, figure out where I was going to go, but it turned into, I couldn't read science fiction and fantasy because they were evil because they had magic. Right. Listen to the music that I liked because it was evil and it was Satanism. In fact, no music, no music other than Christian music was to be. Now that is torture. (laughs) Yeah, because it sucks. But anyway, so you get the picture. So about six months after that, I was like, oh my God, no. You know, oh, and there's Rocky Horror. I was into Rocky Horror at the time. Well, that would be a no. writing my fiction at the time which was basically like drag queen superheroes and oh no no I couldn't do that anymore so uh, so I left continued on in my life and then finally I met somebody at a sci-fi convention who was pagan and, you know, there's a whole pagan subculture within fandom, at least here in the Bay Area. I don't know about elsewhere, but um, I was a little scared of it at first because of, you know, all that, you know, because I was struggling with Christianity, as I like to exactly. say. All the programming, right? Yeah, yeah. But I started asking some questions and I was really intrigued by what he had to say and I remember I bought a I bought the Rider Waite Tarot deck and the book Tarot oh it's um wait I have it right it's uh for yourself Tarot for yourself by Mary Greer and of course the Scott you know the Scott Cunningham Wicca for beginners or Wicca for the solitary practitioner whatever that's called I bought those books and I never looked back. It's been my thing ever since. Yeah, like discovering the Tarot and working through that book, Tarot for Yourself, because it's a workbook. Yeah. And it's just in like an ongoing exploration of the Tarot. And I got so much out of that. And... I was still a little afraid of, you know, like the devil card and stuff. I'd be like, oh, <laughs> but I was like, okay, it's not that. It's not that. Right. And it took me a long time to overcome that. But I, I got to say that I felt confident that I was on the right path and that it was valid. And then, I mean, we can talk more about that later as far as like deeper confirmations of that. But I just kept on and I still struggle with Christianity just a little bit, but I think it's like being an alcoholic. It never goes away, you know? Amen, brother. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the beginning of my journey. So I hope that answered your question without me talking too much. No, that's cool. Um, You know, we want to know about your journey and I'll, you know, pitch in my, you know, I was, young and my spiritual time was kind of as I was lying in bed trying to fall asleep and I would commune with what felt like divine presence sometimes I would call it Jesus and sometimes I would just not you know and it would just be what it was and the the kind of communication that occurred during that time was extremely different from everything I ever encountered in 
the church, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. they go to church and, you know, they're like, oh, this, 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 and we have no sense of humor. And we're very serious about this and you will do it this way. And that is evil and blah, blah, blah. And it'd be like this, you guys, this bears no resemblance to my spiritual life at all. And I quickly gave it up. And the impetus of that for me was honestly, when um, the mini series for Shirley MacLaine's Out on a Limb came out on TV in the 80s. Oh, okay. Because then it was just like, oh, there's other ways of thinking about this. Because the whole Abrahamic tradition with a patriarchy was not working for me. Mm -hmm. And so when she, she kind of opened the door to um, at least other thinking about other ways yeah and it's weird and it's like just being for me uh my have you ever read mercedes lackey possibly the fantasy author anyway i certainly know who she is she is she's actually fabulous and my my friend who i said that i had met that you know my the first pagan i ever met knew her and I was able to be introduced to her shortly thereafter, but I, I I didn't know who she was at the time. She was just this cool lady that I met. And I had a really good conversation regarding paganism and spirituality with, but I don't I don't even know if she identifies as pagan. But anyway, but her books, her books just started coming out around that time. And there is I mean, just all just like the queerness in her books. I mean, there's actually gay characters in her books, but back then that was not done, you know. But the way she talks about magic in her fantasy books is true to real life practice. Yeah. You know, because it's not just like, oh, you know, I'm going to say this word and, and the leaves are going to go and the path is going to, you know. Like in typical fantasy books, she talks about, you know, energy and lines of power. And and it was really, it's just really interesting the, the, the way that she writes because I know at the very least, she knows very many people that are pagan. Right. And she took that, she took the reality of it into consideration writing her books. So that was very instrumental for me. And it made me feel um, confirmed that I was on the right thing, seeing like this in some like external thing. Does that make sense? Sure. I mean, I think it helps to to know that um, you're not alone in this universe. You know, the, the, the thing that I know with growing up among evangelicals is the re they think that everybody um, believes more or less the same things they do because they don't know anybody who doesn't, you know? So it's really hard to come out of that community and say, not me, I'm different. <laughs> yeah, so, oh, so I didn't realize you were evangelical. So when I said the talking in tongues thing, you have experienced that, right? Now that's, so that's more of the Pentecostal side. It's, it's confusing. It was mostly Southern Baptist, which is definitely evangelical. Okay. Um, the, the Pentecostals are the ones who get even woo-woo by by evangelical standards they're the ones who do the talking in tongues um and the snake handling things like that oh uh, okay yeah and i i've never actually been to a pentecostal church i have no real desire to um you know i i 
I, I think a lot of the talking in tongues goes is mostly faked. Uh, okay, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you if you had seen it, if what your opinion on that was, because I think it was probably faked. I think it's mostly faked. Not to say that it couldn't happen, because I believe I know, and in so reincarnation and yeah. channeling, right? So all of those yeah. things can happen. Uh, you could certainly channel someone who spoke a different language or even spoke in a different voice. That happens all the time. But um, yeah, I, I do think that and because of the money, they take, oh, yeah. you know, it, there's so much money involved in evangelicalism. You know, but it was just like, oh, I was just going to tell a story, but I don't know if it's valid to, <laughs> for this show. Go for it, man. We'll talk about it anyway. <laughs> just because it's funny. Okay, so it, when I was in the youth group, what, oh, in fact, in fact, Amelia, my cohort from Pitney and Amelia's Bitchin' Boutique, went with me on a field trip to the beach with my church group one time. How was that? And we had to walk up and down the beach and get people to come to my Christian service. And she was so horrified and so embarrassed. And I remember we were on the bus with Walkmans listening to music. And we remember we had a cassette of the Toy Dolls, which is not a Christian band. And I remember it was like, okay, now don't let them know that we're not listening to Christian music because it's supposed to be like, you know, Amy Grant or something. <laughs> but but it's not what I was gonna tell the story. That's not what I was gonna tell. <laughs> but um, so when I was at that group, speaking of like the speaking in tongues thing, during the youth group, and again, I wanted something real, something valid, something that they weren't phoning in their shit like they do in the Catholic Church. Yeah. But this church was the same thing because those kids had grown up within that. And I guarantee you, none of those kids are there now. Right. When I grew up, when I was in that youth group, maybe one or two, but then they're lame. Right. 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 <laughs> There's always a few hardcore ones who's like, no, I'm going to hold on to you that. Know, in the youth group, this girl, you know, all of a sudden, because we had these youth meetings, she was just, she stiffened up and she's like, <gasps> and then the youth pastor, Oh, praise the Lord, it's happening. Praise the Lord, it's happening. And so this girl was like, <gasps> and then she just like starts to speak this stuff like it's, she's filled with the spirit. But it was such stupid, trite bullshit that there was no way that was really the spirit because she had to know what she said. It was like, I will take you through and then the tears and then the tears oh, the fire and the fire will burn you in heart but it's just what you need right now because you're struggling with the world and it will you get the picture right yeah don't quit your day job honey jesus wouldn't even say that stupid shit that's what the preacher would say. <laughs> I'm going to take you through the fire to struggle with the world right now in fucking deep. Shut up. My goodness. Right. And really at that point, I was like, oh my God, really? No. <laughs> yeah. Performance art at that point. Oh, Lord. 
But I think at least, I'm sorry, I, I, I've never communed with Jesus in like a way that where I could like gotten words from him. But I'm I, would, sorry. I would offer that no one in that church has. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. But he would not say something so trite and blatantly lame evangelical. You know what I mean? Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, the thing, well, this is coming from a community that tends to ignore all the actual things Jesus did say. Yeah, anyway, anyway, so that's, <laughs> I digress, but I had to share that with you because I thought you'd get a kick out of it. That's fabulous. Now, you, so you said you grew up Catholic, and I, met, uh, I mentioned this before, but, you know, uh, I went to a Catholic mass in the Re fairly recently and it was the first time I'd ever attended one it was for a funeral and um and I was watching and I was like oh my god this whole thing is one magical ritual from start to finish yes which by the way will be validation Absolutely. for every evangelical who thinks that all Catholics are going to hell but anyway did that make it easier for you <laughs> to, true, right? <laughs> to, to you know to to uh, you know to adapt to paganism because Catholicism is obviously so, uh, you know, it, it already conformed itself to the shamanistic traditions in order to get people to adopt it. That, you know, you can still see it like Santeria is still practiced in Mexico, they're Catholics, but they still combine their pagan origins, you know. Yeah, because there's a lot of, you know, Hispanic Catholic witches per se or what are they brujas right is that what is that the right term I don't even know I don't know either. I think it's bruja um but there's a lot of witchcraft in like Hispanic Catholicism yeah but it's okay because they do the same things and they use the same herbs and they you know but they're calling on Mary or the saints or but you know it's a it's a little subversive too which I like that they throw in, you know, these saints that aren't saints. Right. Just saints in Mexico or just saints in Guatemala or just saints. Like Santa in Muerta, I think. Or whatever. And they throw that in and oh, and we're calling on, you know, yada, yada, yada for this, but it's in the Catholic framework. Right. But that's like blatant paganism and witchcraft are right in the middle of it. And I think it's fabulous. But on the other time, if you told them that, that they were not pagan or that they were pagan and not Catholic, they'd be like, oh, that would oh be a my bad God. because, oh, you're going to go to hell because they really, really strongly believe that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they hold these traditions that started when, you know, the Spaniards first came in basically tried to wipe out the traditional religions in Central America. You know, and I lived in Guatemala for a year back in the 90s, and I remember the Catholic churches in the villages, not all of them, but a lot of them, you would go and the saints would all have their heads broken off. The statues of the saints. And it was my understanding at the time, because I remember talking to someone about it, I could be wrong, but my understanding at the time, that's what I'm saying, because I don't want to be disrespectful, right, to their religion, but was to make that saint not a saint of the Spaniards, but a saint of the Maya. To get rid of the white 
basically. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And they totally practiced the ancient Mayan religion within the framework of Catholicism in those churches. And it, it was it's really fascinating. Cool. It was really, really fascinating. And I remember I went to this village where there is there's a saint, but I he's treated as and the energy was that he was a deity. Um San Simon. No. No, San Simon was in Antigua. I'm sorry, I'm getting my my Guatemala thing. This Mashimon, Mashimon. He's like this guy looks kind of witchy. Sitting, he's always statues. He's sitting on a chair with his, you know, with his leg crossed, and he's just kind of sassy. And you go, there's these shrines to him. And you go, you offer him booze and cigarettes or booze and cigars. And basically that's the saint that you, the saint that you pray to, send energy to, when you want money, when you want to get laid, when you want your girlfriend or your husband dead, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's fabulous. That kind of sounds like there's a, um, it's reminiscent, I won't say it's exact at all, but of, of the voodoo tradition, which of course comes from West Africa, but that too also brought in some Catholic, because, you know, the New Orleans mm -hmm. area is very Catholic, they brought in some Catholic stuff too, and I think some of the voodoo gods here in our country have saint origins, um, mm -hmm. and, and even those saints, like, it, I think one of them might be Bridget, who of course was a Celtic goddess before she became yes. a saint, you know, so it's just fascinating. But that actually sounds a little bit like uh, Papa Legba. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And speaking of, now I remember we did, I did a ritual one time for, I think it was Salen. And yeah, it had to have been Salen. And we, uh, rather than the quarters, we had called in four different deities cool. um, from different traditions. Nice. That represented Samhain. And I think one of them was Papa Legda. And I remember the girl that was to call him in was like, we have to make sure that I, we're really careful because this is some strong energy and the belief is some strong shit and we don't want to fuck with that. And we don't want to mess with me, you know? So I remember we had this whole thing in the beginning before we called the circle or we want everybody to, you know, anybody to know, you know, energy wise, whatever, that we are not being disrespectful. We are. Well, he is we the are being, God of many names. And we're not necessarily wanting you to come down as to maybe just sort of like say, hello, I see what you're doing in this school. <laughs> because we weren't trying to fuck with a different tradition. You know what I mean? Right, 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 right. I get it. But, you know, um, and to me, Papa Lake was just the trickster God of many names. And, you know, I don't care if you call him Loki or you know, um, whatever the Native American term is, you know, um, it's, uh, it's that energy, but that's actually my favorite energy to work with. I really okay. identify with that chaotic trickster because I'm such a trickster. You know, I love to, it's like, 
oh, you know, can, can I tweak somebody? I'll probably do it, you know, like, like I'm wearing my um, pentagram necklace today in case my snooping cousins tune in. I <laughs> <see y'all. laughs> cousins, we're witches and pagans. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, man. Yeah, I'm one of my... Um, cousins. I think it was the first of the set of cousins on my mother's side died recently and he was gay and he was gay in Alabama. And it was obvious he was gay in the seventies, you know, poor guy, (laughs) honestly. And my wife, Anna, she channels. And so I said, Hey, I just found out that, that, um, this cousin died and I wanted to, you know, ask him what he died of because he was like 62. And um, you know what he said? Murder by neglect. Oh. So he said, you know, I yeah. wish, I wish I could have gotten out of this culture and I could have had a better life. Um, but anyway, the poor fellow. Tell me how your path through paganism has helped you. Uh, in terms of being a gay man in America, you know, more accepting, maybe uh, more comfortable. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, it's interesting because I uh, there was never even an option to come out when I was involved with, you know, Bethel Assembly of God Bethel. I mean, that was not even an option, right? Um, I will say it's more of an option in Catholicism because my experience of going through all of Catholic school my whole life. So, you know, any pissed off Catholics out there, shut up because you're wrong. (laughs) Nobody gives a shit. They don't give a shit about their religion. It is all just they go to church and I believe in blah, blah, blah. And they do not give a shit. They don't. No, no way. 90% of them. So maybe I could have come out in the context of the Catholic Church and people would have been okay because they don't care what the church says anyway. But um, I was listening to what the church said. And so I wasn't comfortable. So you know, in paganism, it was like, not only was the first pagan person I ever met, the guy I told you about, but that was the first gay person I ever met. And I remember I asked him, I was like, are you gay? And he said, well, yes, I am. And I was like, oh, thank God I am too. And he was like, oh, I know. (laughs) You know, because I mean, really, how can you not? Right. (laughs) But and that was just so like freeing. And I, I, like I said, I started studying a lot of books and reading a lot of things and journaling a lot. And I remember I had this therapist at the time who was very supportive of my um, experiencing and learning about the Tarot. It wasn't something that she was into, but she thought it was great. And she was actually really influential in my, the way that 
I think about it now in the way that I teach about the tarot, she was very influential in that she was like, well, you know, you keep talking about this, and you keep journaling about this, so let's talk about these cards and what do they mean to you? And then she would use some of that in my sessions to say what that meant to me. Right. Personally. And that influenced me a lot in the way that I read and the way that I use it, because I still use Tarot now is like a journaling tool. Yeah. And not only as a, um, uh, anyway, I'm sorry, I'm, but the, so the gay thing, um, as I left Bethel and came out, I got more and more involved in fandom here in the Bay Area, which is just so accepting. And it was so, I mean, back in the eighties to have like a subculture that didn't call gay, gays a bunch of faggots and- Fandom has always been progressive. They weren't afraid of AIDS and all that stuff because <laughs> that time um it was just my haven yeah it was just my haven um and I did I I felt more welcome in fandom but I can't honestly say that it had anything to do with my spiritual past to answer your question because I really was not involved with other pagans other than you know my friend that I was talking about for years and years and years to come but because of that interaction, I got more involved in the fan community and that was accepting. Not only of queers, but of pagans. True. Does that make sense, you know? Yeah. So that's, you know, but as I've grown, I felt, I feel like I, I struggle. I try to be respectful but I struggle to understand why so many queer people want to hold on to Christianity. Um, I guess there's queer people that want to hold on to Islam too. And I'm just saying that because it's Abrahamic and it's kind of the same. It's like, you know, Christianity and Islam and Judaism, you know, they're right there, right? It's all this big circle of uh, um, I struggle to understand why they want to stay with that and why they want to I'm going to change the religion so I can stay in it well that's and, not going to happen but there's a lot of that rather than I am going to change myself and my personal understanding of things that I don't understand anyway to find a connection to the divine that meshes with me rather than it's like this, you, you, you know, I, I don't understand that struggle. I, only I mean, I do a degree, but also yeah. I'm just, I just shut up and fucking leave. <laughs> you know, I always say that you cannot uh, reform a corrupt system. And, you know, however long ago, uh, they cut out God's wife out of the picture. You know, the feminine divine got cut out. And at that point, it is irredeemable. You know, you can't yeah. have a creative force without both. And, exactly. Uh, yeah. So, and, and I assume that people who want to stick with it um, 
have a need to punish themselves. You know, it's that guilt thing. I, 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 I just need to keep, and I'm not saying it's conscious. Um, I, I think it's definitely below their thought processes, but they, you know, they're trying to reconcile something that cannot be reconciled. Yes. Bless their hearts. Because in their mind, they're in here, they're thinking about, oh, this is sin. Yeah. And I'm going to go to hell and I'm unnatural. But then there's a part of them saying, well, I'm not unnatural and I know I'm not going to go to hell and I know this isn't sin. But they're so conditioned to believe this, you know, the Bible, that, that I'm just going to say the Bible for my, because that's, you know, our background. Yeah what the bible may or may not say about that um but they don't want to give their the belief of the bible but they want to give the belief of this thing that they're unnatural because they know that's wrong right right and that's the important right. thing they know that's wrong but they can't accept that this is wrong i know it, it, and it, I know that, that that's a very subversive thing to say, but this being the Bible, yes, this being what I was talking about, this is wrong. This is fucking wrong too. Yeah. There is no fucking truth in the Bible. And just throw it away, burn it, put it in the incinerator, get the fuck over it because there's no truth in it. I it think that whatever what it truth is, it may have contained. It reads it. I think but whatever it, truth that might have contained is gone. Yeah. <laughs> Long gone. <laughs> yes. And that Besides, is. I've like, always said that parts of it are just literature. Tell yeah. me that Job is not a satire that was just written 3,000 yeah. years ago. <laughs> Seriously. Somebody was like, I'm going to make fun of these assholes. And you know? Right. Jeez. <laughs> and that might could be, and it was so interesting. I was having a conversation last night with somebody was over. In fact, this woman, Sylvia, who does like I've been doing, you know, some rituals with, and we're planning a ritual for a couple of weeks from now for the solstice. And we were talking about, you know, the Bible and all of that stuff. And she's still struggling with her upbringing yeah and i was just like how can you even like read it because i i want to say five years ago six years ago i tried to read the bible i was like okay i'm ready i'm gonna read this i'm gonna find some value in it no i couldn't <laughs> i mean i didn't read it cover to cover i've read a lot of it but I read a lot and I skipped through a lot and I read a lot. And I was like, even like the Psalms, I was like, oh, this is so beautiful. And this is so wonderful. But then two lines later, nope. and if you don't believe this, you're gonna burn in the eternal fire. That just shows you that oh, fundamentalists have been with us for thousands of years, right? Even the Psalms are filth. <sighs> Some of them, know? yeah. I mean, there's so much contradictory nonsense in there. You know, you can't believe in a loving God who also will just smite somebody for stumbling under the Ark of the Covenant. Give me a break, you know? 
it's just like, yeah, anyway, so I had this conversation with, sorry, with, you know, this woman who's been like my priestess in the last couple rituals. And she she was just like, oh, how can you say that the Bible is filth? Because I love the word filth. I call everything filth because I love that word. <laughs> That's one of the things I love about you, Brad. <laughs> I love the word filth. <laughs> so offended by that and I was just sort of like well okay maybe you need to like do a little more work and yeah overcome that um so yeah I really struggle with uh people especially queer people though that want to try to justify uh, justify their existence within this framework where it's not justifiable so get out of that framework you know it just occurred it's, to me it's not just this framework there's a million other frameworks yeah no I, you know now that you i think about it though i think one of the reasons that they try to do that is so that they can justify their relationships with their own family and, and I, yeah. of course, have cut off my family for very good reasons. And I don't have that problem. But I think if you're still trying to be the good daughter or be the good son and go back for the abuse, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, then, then it, you're, you might try to psychologically shoehorn yourself in to a system that frankly does not work for you. And that, yeah, and I, it's tough. And I know, the, yeah, it's family and it's also, and I feel like a lot of people that grew up in that, um, you know, those churches are cultish, the evangelical churches to the point where those are the people you know, those are your friends. Yeah. Because they teach like, well, don't listen to you know, I mean, it's, I'm going to age myself because I don't even know, you know, don't listen to, you know, Britney Spears or Madonna or Nirvana or whatever the fuck, because, oh, that's evil. You can only listen to this music because that's of the world. Remember that, how they talk about everything was of the world. You know, that's of the world and we're not of the world. And don't talk to those people at school with those hard rock grunge t-shirts because they're of the world so it's like you and doc they do indoctrinate them that that is their family and their yep. lives and everything it's true even though everything is right there and you know that they have friends in school that are of the world but there's a block that they're afraid to go and become close with that person or to engage with that person because it might burst the bubble and that's a really scary thing to have your bubble burst totally you know? totally well and if your psyche is that invested in feeling accepted in that you know it makes me sad to see people kind of torturing themselves in that way yeah. but i guess that some people are just going to torture themselves in that way yeah, but if you know, but it's that, and then if your, your family is like that too, which is a stronger bond, what can you do? You're screwed. 
Yeah, you pretty much you either have to you're either going to be abused for the rest of your life or you're going to cut them off, which is what I did. So and I have no regrets. You know, I was fortunate that I mean, other than, you know, my dad, who was like an asshole on a whole different level <laughs> for all different reasons we're not even going to go into he was really homophobic. Um, he came around toward the end of his life. And he was just like, I just love you. And I'm so proud of you for being so strong and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, dad, really? But yeah, that was a beautiful thing. But other than that, my whole family, because again, what I was saying, the Catholics phoning it in, because right. they don't give a shit what happens in church. They care about their lives, you know? Yeah. My whole family, nobody cared when I came out. It was just like, we've done that since you were five, whatever. <laughs> it was really easy. Nobody cared. Um, I was fortunate in that, but I've known people that come out and their parents reject them, their grandparents reject them, their siblings reject them. I can't even imagine that. And it's like they're faced with a choice at that point of, do I want to be true to what who I know who I am or what I am or whatever? Or do I want to be part of this family? And no, I don't want to be part of this family. I need to be true. And I think that's what happens when the rejection of religion comes and the rejection of spirituality and God. And that makes me sad because I think, because they count God with that. Mm -hmm. Well, I get it. If they've had this like toxic evangelical God, I can totally oh, get yeah, why they would want to toss too. that in the trash. It's not, and if they've never had spiritual experiences because you and I have growing up that we could point to to say no I know there's something else and if and if you really haven't it's just probably easier to go the atheist route but it is sad but that's what makes it sad because I was just saying me as a hardcore theist mm -hmm. and I think atheism is just a is a cult can be that's my personal thing, but that's a whole different discussion we are so not going into right now. Yeah. And I probably just piss people off for me to say that. <laughs> well, honey, I live to piss people off. No, just you know, and if they were, you know, bless your heart, you atheists, bless your heart. Um, <laughs> that means in, in the South, that actually means fuck you. It's just. <laughs> <laughs> but because but you know when i was talking about the whole like you know that whole your community and that bond to break that bond with your family for a lot of people is to break that bond with god mm -hmm. but that's a bond that's been there their whole lives too and i think the only reaction is fear and anger to totally fucking cut it off mm -hmm. because you can't deal with what god is going to tell you if you really believe that this god is going to send you to hell well, that God is a toxic parent too, right? Yes. So. And that makes me so sad and it bothers me. And to me, it's like we breathe, mm -hmm. we piss, we shit, we eat. To me, 
a connection with God is one of those things. It's that natural to me. Yes. It has to fucking be there. And to cut that off because of that toxicity is so tragic and sad for me. It is. It is like cutting off a piece of yourself because I view God as being within as much as without, you know, uh, God is not some external guy in the sky. It's, it's everywhere. It's like the force in Star Wars, right? Yeah. It's, it's like, that was why we love Star Wars. You know, yes, it's everywhere. It's in us. It's, you know, and to, it, it's like saying, well, I don't have a nose on my face. And it is sad. It's like, it would be like choosing to go through life willfully blind. Yeah. And it's just, it just so many queer people and then, but they said they can't. So I'm not, I'm not saying like, oh, paganism is the cure for all sure. queer people. But I kind of am saying that because it was mine. <laughs> but but you I understand could be, that it's not. Um, you could be a Buddhist. You could be, yeah. you could be a Taoist. You know, I've read a lot about the Tao and uh, yeah, really admire that tradition too. You know, there's a lot of ways that you can approach this that aren't toxic. Uh, you know, but I just, I, anyway, it just, I constantly just have trouble dealing with that sort of mindset. And I remember having a conversation with somebody and I was like, you know, you need to get over this because there's been many gods before Jesus. And there'll be many gods after Jesus. And he was like, no, how can you say that? He's the one. And I was like, well, what about the thousands and thousands of years of humanity before that? Right. Oh, well, they weren't redeemed because it wasn't time. I just can't okay. even go there. Okay. That right there. Well, I you know, one of the things that's always bugged me about the Abrahamic tradition was this like single use soul theory, you know, like God creates this soul and it has one shot. And if it's miscarried or aborted, that's it. It's done, you know. <laughs> oh, like, Lord, but how there's so many more people here that were ever here before. Yeah. So where do we where we're like a quarter soul? <laughs> I don't I think it comes in all kinds of ways. I think that there can be group souls if they've got a big job to do. And, you know, it's just, it's just yeah. anyway. It's crazy. <laughs> so it's Pride Month. And I, uh, my work had a, they called it a, a Pride Kiki. I'd never heard the term before because I'm getting old, I guess. And um, it was a, a discussion with uh, my coworkers by the way, this is the first time I've ever had a job where they had a pride group at work and they had these kinds of things. I was just like, oh my, my. Oh, I think that's great. It's great. And and, and so they they put us in um, uh, groups uh, and uh, to talk about like, what does pride mean to you? And I was like, well, that's an interesting question because I've never thought about that. So Brad, what does pride mean to you? Oh gosh. Um... Overcoming obstacles, overcoming, I'm going to say it, overcoming filth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I mean, in, in just in so many senses, being bullied. Yeah. And having people be mean to you and having to deal with all everything you see in mainstream society. All you see is goddamn man and woman. And I'm sorry, there's more to the world than dick and pussy. That's not the world. Um, can I say that on your show? I'm sorry. Honey, you can say anything on my show. <laughs> or, you know, the, the, the whole religious thing. To me, pride is about overcoming that and knowing your worth, finding your tribe in the outside world that understands your worth and celebrates your life. And so finding a tribe that you can find people with and finding a connection with, you know, God, goddess, deity, whatever, that you can still feel good about. And all of that together, to me, that's pride. To me, that's gay pride. And it's celebrating sex without the stupid morality of marriage. Right. It, it, it's celebrating sensuality and sex and freedom from religion is like that. That's what pride is to me. It's all of that. It's like the ultimate freedom from all these mainstream mores that like try to hold people down. Absolutely. So pride is, and I love that pride is the rainbow colors because that's not also like gay pride, but it's like hippies and, and it's all, of, you know, it's hippies and fuck the system and free love. And I, I just like, I'm all about it. So that's what that means to me. <laughs> that's great. You know? Yeah. You know, I've, I've never, because we've been so busy with the kids for years, we've never done a pride. And I actually looked into it this year. It's like, we should totally do a pride parade and of course you know covid so we're not having one oh uh, well yeah you know maybe next year but i was just like oh and and it was interesting to hear everyone talking about it and it's funny because it 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 touched on this deep well of grief that i was probably suppressing for you you know and I, for the, for like hours afterward i just you know i was teary you know because I you know I didn't even feel safe enough in my youth to admit to myself that I might be gay or bisexual or whatever because that was in spite of the fact that I'd had sexual experiences with other girls mm -hmm. I just wrote that off oh that's just normal uh sexual development and curiosity you know um the girl my girlfriend who she and I used to get uh, teased at school called Gayla you know, because we put our arms around each other. And okay. she said to me one night at, at, when she was staying over at my place, she said, you know, we are gay. And I didn't want to hear it. Didn't want to hear it. Didn't want to acknowledge it. And of course, yeah. the next year she completely threw me under the bus in a horrible way. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I, you know, I wasn't in my 30s until I started looking at that. I was like, oh, you know, this is probably why lesbians have been hitting on me for years. <laughs> Well, you are gorgeous and fabulous, so of course, you know. <laughs> like, but you know, it, it was you know, it's like, wow, you you like you knew at six, and I just did not want to know. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've always known. I mean, I remember like you know having like sexual fantasies about my fourth grade 
male teacher, you know. I mean, yeah. I mean, not sexual, but you know, romantic, romantic, romantic fantasies. Yeah. So I mean, I've always known. Yeah. Um. But I think I'm also. I think I have a pagan soul. And that there was a part of me that I always knew all of this stuff around me was bullshit. Yeah. Uh, it never hit me as deep as it might could other people because I somehow always knew. Mm. And I'd always seen things and sensed things. And so I always knew that things weren't quite what I was told. Mm. And maybe that helped a little bit on my journey, you know, but um, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. But that's, again, different conversation. <laughs> I do think some of us came in with a little bit of our accumulated um, uh, cumulative knowledge from previous lifetimes to kind of break paradigms. Because I've always been that black sheep who was just not going to be like everybody else. And, you know, you know, everybody would be shaking their heads at me like, oh, my God, you know, you are just such a heathen. And, you know, I am such a heathen. And I'm cool with that. It's just oh, yeah. Thing. But it, it took a while to get there. Yeah. And I remember, like, I had this friend in high school who was like, I don't know. I think he may have been gay. I don't know. We never talked about it, but oh my God, I was so in love with him. Um, but it, it, it could ever be discussed. But I remember um, us parading around the neighborhood with me in some high heeled boots and him just being like, if you want to wear those boots, that's fine. So I was like parading down the neighborhood and we went, there was this hotel called the LeBaron Hotel. And we walked across the street and I paraded around at like 15 in these high heel boots in the hotel. And everybody was just like, oh, and then we were crossing back the street to go into the neighborhood. Some guy started yelling at me and harassing me from the car and tried to follow us into the neighborhood. And he ended up not doing so. But I remember my friend telling me, he was like, you know, you're just before your time. Yeah. Don't let it bother you. You're just before your time. And, and I was like, yes, I am. So, yeah. <laughs> Somebody's got to forge the path, you know? Like, well, I've like always been proud, you know? I mean, my outrageousness definitely has been diminished over the years because I'm old and I don't, my outrageousness is in a different way now you know uh-huh uh -huh. but isn't it great um, to yeah. get older and not give a shit yeah <laughs> yeah you know but to me pride is just being true to yourself and being gay and if people are going to harass you on the street fuck them yeah be yourself and don't be afraid yeah you know so that's my message take it or leave it that's oh, and you see my my gay Star Trek shirt. I love it. I love George. Yes. <laughs> it's been great to have people who come out who, you know, at the time of their youth were not safe in doing so. So that's cool. 
Oh, you know, and it's so shocking to me that, you know, because I follow his Facebook religiously. And every once in a while, he still gets people that post homophobic stuff to him. And I'm like, really? And he don't take that shit from no one. No. And I think it's great. <laughs> it is great. It is great. So we need to have a whole episode. We need to get together again. Sure. <laughs> episode where we talk about nothing but how filthy the Indiana is. Let's do it, Brad. Let's do it. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. I've loved having you. <laughs> Thank you. And Anna's like, I'm looking forward to this one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wonderful thanks so anyway, much anyway thank you for having me and we will uh converse soon <laughs> you bet you bet cool okay see you later bye bye bye